wonderful to be together. It's wonderful to look out on faces and see eyes, I hope, smiling back at me or scowling in a very friendly way. Um, it's great to be moving back towards being able to be together again. Last week, Andy brought what I think was a very powerful prophetic message. I think if you haven't listened to it, it's definitely worth uh, looking at the audio of that or going back and, and watching on YouTube. Uh, you can't really look at the audio unless you've got one of those uh, waveform things. But listen to the audio, watch the video of it. A fantastic message on the importance to be of being T-shaped people. So this idea of the two T's in Christ first prompted Andy to, I suppose, think of this, this idea of being broad and deep, that we're to be a people who are, are deep in our understanding of the word and applying it to our lives and broad in the spirit, in our experience and in our gifting, that as a, a body that's made up of many individuals, we're, we're different and we're broad and there's a variety of gifting in us and deep in our relationships with one another. And Andy spoke about how perhaps over this sort of last 15 months, that's become a bit dry and cracked as, as we've been physically disconnected. We've become emotionally and spiritually disconnected from one another in some ways. And so we need to put some effort into restoring that. And I think that was a, a really important and profound almost moment for us as a church where actually there should be a recommitment to relationship with one another, with getting to know one another again. And then broad again in that sense of reaching out towards those who aren't yet a part of the community. I hope that that's correct, Andy, what, how I've remembered that, who aren't a part of the church community. And so for the next two weeks, this week and next week, we, Andy and I want to give you this challenge as your elders. And it's primarily related to the second part of that last T, that reaching out towards those who aren't part of that community. And so after having a year of your life wiped away, I've joked a few times to a few different people that's to say, maybe we should all get to revert our birthdays back a year uh, some are more keen on that than others. I think the older you are, the more keen you seem to be on that idea. But having a year wiped away, we want to issue this challenge, and that challenge is to get a life. I don't know if you can see these sides. Get a life. Church, get a life. And I want us to be bold. We want us to go out and get involved in the world by loving, inviting, fostering, and engaging with the world around us. We're going to spend this week and next week unpacking what we mean by those terms. But at the end of last week, I spoke briefly about the need for people to meet the good shepherds. I just want to remind us again, and that's the context in which this challenge is coming. We looked at these few stats. Where are they? Maybe I've skipped over them. I can't really see because this screen isn't on, but that's fine. We looked at some stats from uh, mentalhealth.org.uk. It's fine if they're not up on the screen. Uh, it says this, uh, one third of 18 to 34-year-olds reported feeling lonely during the pa pandemic. And in general, the stat went from one in 10 people feeling lonely to one in four people feeling lonely across the, the stretch of the pandemic that in the age group 18 to 24-year-olds, were, they were the, the group that was most impacted by hopelessness, 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 feeling hopeless. Over a third, which is about 36%. And in older generations, I want to say to you, I'm highlighting those two particular stats because they were the, the, the age groups that saw the most marked increase. 
They saw the biggest increase in loneliness and feeling hopeless. This is obviously now a week out of date, but over the last two weeks, one in 10 had had suicidal thoughts. of people were drinking more alcohol specifically to cope with the stress of the pandemic and over a third of people were overeating specifically to deal with the stress of the pandemic. And I said all of these things, not to paint too gloomy a picture, but to say people are looking for someone and something. They're looking for someone to follow and something to, to give their lives to. And church, I want to say to you, we have the greatest leader, and the highest course. I had a a little bit of a WhatsApp chat or group that I'm on with some guys yesterday. Someone was asking for wisdom on how to talk to some of their work colleagues who are seemingly unashamed at their their use of various substances and going and visiting uh, prostitutes and sort of finding satisfaction in that. And personally, I I sort of reflect, I said, I've never had a genuine conversation with someone where on the back of those things saying, and that that sort of brings you lasting satisfaction. Really? Like that, that satisfies you. That makes you feel complete. And actually, in the genuine moments, I've never had anyone say, yeah, actually, that's, I want my life to be about that. Actually, they say, it just makes it just takes away the numbness for a while or it fills that gap for a while and we looked at these verses from uh, Matthew 9 where Jesus says this that he went through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said this to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, earnestly pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I, I just wanted to challenge us again, just remind us that this is the context that this challenge comes in, is that we are looking out on a world of people who are harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And sheep without a shepherd, some of them will find some grass to chew on, and some of them will wander off. And our response to that, as I said, Jesus tells us we need to pray for the Lord of the harvest, for God to send laborers into the field. And our response needs to be to preach the good news, to live out what Jesus did here, to go into cities and villages, go across the world and preach the good news, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, to demonstrate the gospel, to pray for and to see healing of diseases and afflictions, to have compassion, to introduce people to the shepherd and to pray for laborers. And so we've kind of sort of condensed a lot of that down into this idea of getting a life, Get a life. 
And what do we mean by that? I'm, I'm not being mean. Hopefully that's come across. But we're, we're using this as an acronym for these terms. Love, invite, foster, engage. Alex is being too efficient and I'm, I'm being really poor with the clicker. Love, invite, foster and engage. Have compassion. Find a way to serve your neighbours. Invite people into your home and into places where they can rub shoulders with those who know Jesus. Foster, invest in the relationships that you already have. Engage, find or create new relationships. Take up a new hobby as we're coming out of these sort of lockdown restrictions. Run, eat or do something. Courses, we run our explore groups in a three sort of termly cycle traditionally, or we try and do that. Obviously, it's been upended by the last year, but we normally run courses in January. We're going to do that in September this year. So over the next a few uh, weeks, you can submit course ideas. This is flickering a lot. I don't know if that's happening for everyone. Okay. But these are some of the things that were offered on offer last time. Uh, art journaling, baking, sign language, couch to 5K, Bible study. You know, there's lots of different things that were on offer. And we, what I'm, we're saying to you as elders is, Go for it again. C create environments where you can make friends with people in order to share the gospel. Be interested. Recapture the idea of exploring the creation that God has given us. That's why we call them explore groups. We're meant to be exploring life together. And so sort of wrapped up in this challenge is I want to say, if you only have friends who are inside the church... Who are you sharing the gospel with? Now, for some of you, that might not be an issue. You might think, well, I wish I had some friends within the church. That's a separate issue, and we can you know, deal with that. But for some of us, it might be that actually the only real meaningful relationships I've got are um, people that I see at church or that I've known for a long time because of church. And I want to challenge you and say, there are people out there, one in four, who are lonely, they're desperate for a friend, desperate for someone to connect with. And we can be those people. We should be those people. Do you find yourself spending more time being irritated by your brothers and sisters in the church than having compassion on those who haven't met yet, who haven't yet met the shepherd? So from Tuesday lunchtime, you can submit a course proposal to start in September. So this form, you know, will be available digitally and you can submit that to the office. But you can also start something sooner. You don't have to wait until September because things are opening up now. But we're just going to do some more structured stuff in September that, that might take a little bit more coordination. But you can start something now. Across the summer, you can say, I'm going to invite people into my home or into my garden or we're going to, I'm going to join a running club or when the park run kicks, up, kicks off again, I'm going to join in with that. Do something, eat something, share something with people. Instead of just watching whatever box set is that you're working your way through at the moment, invite someone else over and watch it with them and then talk about it. 
I just want to honour, um, hopefully, a few people throughout this. Dan Townley, I want to honour for Monday Night Football. I can't remember when Dan, it's a, probably must be over a, or close to a decade ago, Dan Townley started uh, a Monday evening football game. And it's, it's gone, you know, uh, the people that are there now, one of the guys, someone said something slightly um, colourful, and he looked at me and said, oh, you church people or, you know, whatever. And I looked around at the people there and I thought, no, I think I might be the only church person here. Dan was on holiday. And, and I, I just, I thought, this is, this is really, what a great job he's done. Because it, it's gone from strength to strength. And at various points, there's been, you know, oh, there's not many people this week. And then other times, there's, you know, there's too many people. It's been, so that's whatever. But actually the people that are there now some of them have been coming for a long time and there's ability for sort of a bit of relationship has formed some of those people are friends of friends of friends who just because dan said who wants to play football on a monday evening for an hour people that have been drawn in and actually they're getting an opportunity to be exposed to not necessarily the full gospel but we pray every week before the game and there are people there who will are demonstrating and living out the gospel in front of them in how they conduct themselves playing football, which, if you don't know, is often not the most conducive environment to that. But there are people there who are they're rubbing shoulders. They're closer to the gospel than they would have been if um, Dan hadn't done that. So well done to Dan, who just got on with it and did it. And this morning, we're going to look at the first two letters of this idea of getting a life. So we're going to look at love and invite. And we've spoken quite a lot about love in recent weeks. Uh, I, feel, I said to Megan yesterday, I feel like I've preached four, three or four sermons recently on the, you know, broadly on love. So I'm not going to labor this point too uh, intensively. But we know, don't we, as Christians, as those who are called to follow Jesus, that we're meant to love our neighbor. It's the second greatest commandment, according to Jesus. He says in Matthew 22, verse 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Someone asked him, what's the, what's the most important thing? What's the, the greatest commandment? Love, you, love God with everything you've got. Follow God completely. He's your first priority. Love God above all else. And second is to care for others as you care for yourself, as you love yourself. Now, some of us might need to go, actually, well, I don't really look after myself very well, so I've got some work to do there as well. But to the, the care and the love that you give yourself, that you have for yourself, how do you care and treat yourself? And I, as I was writing that, I thought, that's an interesting word, isn't it? How do you treat yourself? How do you treat yourself? I think, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I, you know, how do I look after myself? I want to ask the question, how do you treat yourself? You know, is there something that you do you think, oh, you know what, I've, I've been good all week with my eating habits or whatever it may be, I'm going to have some ice cream. How can you treat someone else? Is there someone that you think, do you know what, I know that they love doing this thing, and so, you know, my neighbour, she's always going on about her gardening or, you know, her plants or whatever, how could I treat her or him? Think about these things. Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't have to be a big expensive thing. It could be, you know, buying them some gardening gloves if that's their thing. I, I don't really, Megan's the, the gardening one. I don't know much about it, to be honest. 
but how do we care for and treat ourselves? Do you like to be given the benefit of the doubt? When you say something that's a little bit clumsy, do you like it when people go, I think what you probably meant was this and give you the benefit of the doubt? You need to do that for other people. How can you best serve those around you? And I am specifically want to draw our attention to those who are outside of the church. People at work. Is there someone who always makes the tea? I don't. I mean, obviously now it's a bit different, isn't it, in terms of work? It's probably you that always makes the tea if you're still working from home. If you're in school or whatever social settings you find yourself in, how can you serve those people? As you're going back into the office, maybe, how can you be the one that's serving others? Do you have a literal neighbour, someone who lives near you, that has a need? How can you fill it? I've sort of recently been trying to get to know some of some of my neighbours a little bit better. Um, and we're, Megan and I, we're sort of taking a little bit of time over it, but we're trying to help one, uh, one of our neighbours. She's trying to clear some stuff out and she doesn't really understand eBay. So we said, oh, well, we can post that stuff for you and take a small commission. No, <laughs> we can post that stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> we can post it for you and, and help you get rid of it because you don't understand how to do that and we do so that's fine it's not a problem it's easy one of my other neighbors he I've sort of been chatting to him and he's sort of trying to get himself back a bit fitter so we've said oh you know we'll we'll try and encourage each other to go on a walk together once a week or you know do these kinds of things because he's still working from home what needs do your neighbors have that you can fill And obviously, we want to do this within the church community as well. If there are brothers and sisters that you know, they've got this need. Or even just, I want to treat them. As a, as a child, I can remember, I don't know if this is a relevant story or not. I can remember as a child, on odd occasions, like we don't really do the offering like this anymore. But sometimes on a Sunday, someone would have put an envelope into the offering and it would have a name on it. Nothing else, just a name on the envelope. And on an odd occasion, it had my name on it. And someone had put some money in an envelope. I mean, I was only like, a, I don't know, 10 maybe. And they'd put some money in an envelope and put it in the offering. And it was a treat for me. And I remember that and I think, wow. Somebody has just decided to bless me. And I was only a kid, but that stuck with me. And I remember it. I think, you know, I don't know... Um, how they say the offering doesn't really work like that anymore. But I know in my life, I've then done that for other people. And that's not, I'm not sort of trying to brag on myself and say how great I am, but how can you bless people? And I would encourage you, if you can do it in a way where people don't know that it was you, that's good as well, because it's then God is getting the glory. Love, how can you love those around you as you love yourself? And then invite, invite those you don't know very well into your home. The, I think this was talked about recently, this, this idea of hospitality, the gift of hospitality or the practice of hospitality. It's, it's made, the, the actual word in the Bible is, is philoxenia or however you say that, 
which is made up of these two words, philo and xenia, love and stranger. Hospitality is love towards the stranger, the one you don't know. You might recognize a second half from the word xenophobia, you know, the fear of strangers, a phobia of strangers. Well, this is the opposite of that. It's a love towards strangers. How can you be hospitable to people? It's having people into your home. Those who are strangers to you in some way. And this is a term that's often used adjacent to caring for the church. So this is why we're talking about these things in, the, in, t- in that T sense. There's the caring for the church, the deep relationships in the church, and then loving those outside of the church family. There's this in Romans 12, verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, you could read that and say, contribute to the needs of saints and, and have people around your home and just think that's it. But that word hospitality is specifically meaning strangers into your home. In 1 Timothy, where Paul is given instruction on who should be enrolled uh, on the widow's list, is having a good reputation, uh, having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Washing the feet of the saints and hospitality, cared for the afflicted, these are all different things that he's listing that are... um, good things to have done. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. That's Hebrews 13 too. If you know about New Hope in Watford, that that verse there, uh, entertaining angels unaware, New Hope is basically born out of that verse where uh, two ladies were listening to a sermon that was preached and went home and over lunch they sort of were chatting and they decided, well, we'll, we'll have strangers into our home and then I think it's now I can't remember if it's 26 20 maybe about 27 years on I can't remember exactly years on to New Hope a a charity that works to end homelessness in Watford because two ladies took that verse two older ladies took that verse and applied it and said well I'm going to have those people I'm going to have invite people into my home now obviously I'm not saying be you know, foolhardy with this. And culturally, we're in a different time. We don't tend to have people who are traveling through to somewhere else that need somewhere to stay for the night who haven't booked in at the Premier Inn or Travel Lodge or whatever. But the principle of inviting our neighbors, inviting other people into our homes remains. And I think will be particularly poignant and powerful in the current climate that we're in say, actually, I want you to come and experience life in my home. And if you are a family, because I'm, you know, we've got a family of young children, let me release you from the idea uh, that your home needs to be pristine. Your home is a home, it's not a museum. Okay, so if you've got small children, it's okay for there to be toys and a bit of mess around. You can still have people in your home. They won't care they'll probably understand. And if they're really kind, they might might even help you tidy. Um, I want to honour, just particularly by name, Gareth and Jenny Cundiff, who do this. They've got a a neighbour who's an older lady, and they invite her into their home fairly regularly. I'm not sure about, you know, in the current climate with the COVID stuff, how much they've been doing it. But they often talk about having 
Stella in around to watch something or for a, you know, a, a meal or a coffee or something. It's easy to do once we get into the habit of it. Loving your neighbor as yourself, inviting people into your home can sound tough. John Piper says this, if the Christian life looks too hard, we must remember we are not called to live it by ourselves. If the Christian life looks too hard, we must remember that we are not called to live it by ourselves. We have the example of Christ. This is a quote I'm going to read out from uh, a guy called Benjamin Grosvenor. It's, it's referenced in this book, which is a fantastic book. Uh, it's, it's, I think if you are into Christian books, it's probably been recommended to you from a number of people. But I just encourage you to get hold of a copy of it. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's called The Heart, uh, the subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. I think it's, it's everywhere I look, it's being recommended. It's on like, this is the top book to read. So I'd recommend that to you as best I can. This is quoted in there. This isn't from this, it's from this book, but it's sort of referenced in that book. But it says this, this is, uh, someone's written this as if it's Jesus talking. And it's from like 1885, so it's old style language, but Hopefully you'll bear with me. Nay, if you meet that poor wretch who thrust his spear into my side, remember this is Jesus talking, tell him there is another way, a better way of coming to my heart, even my heart's love. Tell him that if he will repent and look upon me whom he has pierced and will mourn, then I will cherish him in that very bosom that which he has wounded. Tell him that he shall find the blood which he has shed to be ample atonement for the sin of shedding it. And tell him from me that he will put me to more pain and displeasure by refusing this offer of my blood than when he first drew it forth. That's the attitude of Christ, isn't it, to sinners? Now, obviously, that's not, that wasn't literally a quote of Jesus. That's not in the Bible anywhere. But that's the heart of Christ, isn't it? the one who pierced his side, the blood that I've shed for you, the blood that you've shed, I've, I've shed it for you. You haven't shed that, I've shed it for you. You want to get to my heart, there's a better way. We have the example of Christ to spur us on. And we have the spirit in us to strengthen and embolden us. We have our brothers and sisters around us to help. Maybe you're quite shy and the idea of inviting someone into your home is horrific. Like it genuinely, you think, even just thinking about it makes my chest tighten and my brow sweat. Got into old timey language, brow. <laughs> but maybe you know someone who's a life of the party type. They're always loud and yeah, it's great to see you. I've never met you before, but it's great to see you. That kind of person. And you can invite them and someone else and go, I've just kind of arranged for this to happen. I'm the sort of, I've coordinated this environment. Maybe you're a terrible cook and you think, well, if I invite someone around, I've got to give them something to eat. And you could go, well, actually, they're really good at cooking and they're really good. They always make nice stuff. So I could invite them and them and this person or these people Obviously, you know, keep it to the rule of six or whatever it is now. Um, it is six still, but we're 30 outside. Um, 
and then the whole burden isn't on you. You're not there to sort of necessarily do that. So you can, we can be creative about this. We've got brothers and sisters around us who can make up for our lack. Maybe you're a life of the party person and you've never had a deep conversation with anyone in your life because you're always flitting from one person to the other, telling them how great it is to see them. Maybe you know someone who they meet someone for five minutes and they've got their whole life story and they've got to the, the real meat of what their issues are and they've not done it in an in a, in a intrusive way. That's just who they are. They just know how to draw the deep things out of people. We have brothers and sisters around us who are also empowered and emboldened by the Spirit to do these things. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 1, verses 1 to 5, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is speaking of Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's time to get a life. It's time to get some of that life that's been poured into us. The life and light of Christ has been poured into us. And it's time for that to shine in the darkness, knowing that the darkness of the last 15 months will not overcome it. How do we respond to this? Well, I want to encourage you to respond in two ways for prayer. An increase in love and an increase in boldness to invite. More of the Spirit to enhance that love, a greater understanding of Christ's love for us so that we can have compassion on those around us. And an increase of the Spirit to be bold, to step out of comfort zone and invite people. And then next week, we're going to be looking at fostering and engaging. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll finish unless you're going to be prayed for. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you that you loved us. That even while we were sinners, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. I pray you would give us that love for others around us. I think those who we just walked by or we've said, oh, how you doing? Yeah, good, okay, a few times too. Give us your heart for those people, your compassion for those people. I pray that even people who are difficult, maybe that live on our street and just feel to pray for this, people who we think, oh, they're such a pain. They're always playing loud music late or they're always, you know, their stuff's never tidy. They're always doing this. They're always doing that. Lord, let us have your heart and compassion for those people who are harassed, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Help us to love as you love. Help us to be bold as you were bold, Jesus. Just think of the times in the gospel where Jesus said, no, I think I think of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. When was the last time you invited yourself to someone's house for dinner? Let's be bold. Lord, embolden us by the Spirit to know and to do what we are called to do. To be willing to invite, specifically those we know who are not near you, invite into our homes to be a hospitable people.
we often are described by people who visit the, the, us as a church that we're so welcoming. I pray we would be hospitable as well as welcoming. Yes, come in, come in and stay. Ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.